0: Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get
1: a free audiobook download at www.audiblechild.com slash podcast.
0: Over 150,000 titles to choose from for your Android, iPhone, Kindle, or MP3 player. Wait a minute, I forgot my introduction. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, hello! Out Now is a film podcast. Dave and I discussing new movies weekly. However, every now and then, we like to have these special bonus episodes, whether it be one of our fun commentaries or something completely different. And this is... This is one of those things. This is one of those times. Like- yeah, we, um... I don't even know what order we might be releasing these interviews in yet, but this is another (laughs) interview um, with one of the writers of The Signal, a new sci-fi film that's in theaters now, and I advise everyone to go check it out, especially if you're going to listen to this interview. Uh, But yeah, we do have one of the writers with us. His name is David Frigerio.
2: Yes. Hello, guys.
0: What's up? Hi. Hey, David. Did I lose you again? No, you are (laughs) here. Good, sure. Uh, But yeah, no, thanks, David, for joining us today.
2: should be It is my pleasure. It's nine o'clock. I'm usually in bed in about a half hour because I have a five-week-old daughter. So I'm going to stay up for you guys.
0: <laughs> well, we appreciate it very much, and especially because you've inadvertently signed on to our Out Now four-hour interview podcast section. No, we're um, But um,
2: <laughs> you know, I t- I told my wife I was going to do a podcast with Out Now, and she's like, "Are you gay?" <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: Finally realizing it, I said, "No, honey."
1: Oh well. Hell, yeah. It's about what? movies that are out now. Yes, I've got <laughs> the <it.
0: laughs> reference. <laughs> well, um, before we dive into the questions here, let me just set up the uh, the film a bit for people that might not have you know, seen the film yet, but they, they definitely should. Can you tell me your name? Nicholas Eastman. Are you from Earth? Yes, I'm from Earth. What I'm about to tell you, Nick, you may find a bit disturbing. Due to circumstances surrounding your condition, I'm afraid that our information is extremely limited.
1: You mean my condition?
2: Wait, what's my condition?
0: Can you recall for me the first time you encountered the signal? Um, we're, I'm going to tread lightly because I don't want to like give away too much, but it basically involves three students from, uh, from MIT, or at least two. Are all three of them from MIT or just two of them? All three are MIT. All, all three are MIT, yeah. They're all computer programmers. they got some hacking skills going on, and they're kind of on this road trip, and they've been interacting with another hacker who kind of leads them, leads them on. He's been taunting them, and they kind of try to track this person down. And from there things take a, a twist once they attempt Are to do Are you sure
2: something. you saw this
0: movie? I'm trying to be vague. I don't wanna I don't <laughs> wanna <sorry>. go <laughs> I don't wanna give away too much because I want no, people I, I <laughs> want people to go uh, pe- people that have seen it know what I'm talking about. People that haven't seen it yet should just go check it it's out. Nice or, at least, it. or at least they'll have some understanding of what we're talking about before we get into these uh, uh we can't these, spoil conversations. It. We can't spoil it. Yeah. Um but with all that said, um I we, we spoke to um we've already spoken to Carlyle. And I I understand that he was kind of brought on later in the process, but you and and the director William Eubank, you guys were more, you guys developed the story from the kind of the, the ground up. So I want to know um what um where did the story come from?
2: Uh the story started with uh, you know Will and I have known each other for a long time. I was out in LA and I'd met him when he was uh, pan- working at Panavision as a, as a digital rep for, for the new digital cameras, which was like the Sony 900s that Michael Mann shot collateral with. Ooh. And it oh, yeah. uh, was like one of the first like digital reps at Panavision. And I think he was like 21 years old or 20 years old. And uh, you know, when I got the camera, I was shooting like a short film or something and he's like, Hey man, I can, You know, pull these out on the weekend if you want to shoot stuff for free for the cameras. I was like, hell yeah. But uh, we just always clicked and got along. And, uh, you know, years later, he'd shot some stuff for me and uh, he was finishing up Love, which I don't know if the audience has seen that yet, but that's an amazing, epic, like just beautiful film.
0: Yeah, I, re- I really like, wanted to che- – after-
2: For like $6, in his, You know, he built an entire space station. I mean, the kid is just incredible. After seeing the and, signal,
0: I really want to check out Love Now. Yeah, I have not be yeah, able to.
2: That's, it. that's really cool, man. I mean, for what he did it for, for what he was able to pull off – I mean, he built a space station in his backyard. And I, I, I can't even emphasize what that means. But if you saw this thing, it was humongous. And it took him like three years to build. He went to Home Depot maybe – you know, he's like a, a like the a mile high member at, at Home Depot for going there so much. But, uh, anyway, so Love did really, really well on the festival circuit and CAA signed him and they were like, okay, what's your next movie? And we were always, we'd always talked about writing something and writing something. And finally, CAA was sort of pressuring him. Will doesn't love to write. He, he'll tell, tell you that as well. So, and I do, and I've been doing it for a, a long time. And so, uh, you know, he's like, yeah, man, I got this idea about some, some, hat, you know, some, some kids going cross country chasing this signal and I won't give away the ending, but I'm a, I'm a huge sort of conspiracy UFO buff. And, uh, I sort of threw an idea out there that sort of tied to the ending and you guys saw it. And then it was like, oh, that's cool. And then from there, we just started, you know, putting together a small treatment, a uh, small outline for the movie. And he sort of was in a general meeting with the producer, and he kind of just sort of pitched the movie to the guy before we even had the movie. And the guy literally finished the meeting and called Will's agents and said, I, I want this project. And they were like, what project? And uh, so from there, it really steamrolled because he called me and he's like, that guy wants the movie. Mm-hmm. And I was like, we don't even have a movie. <laughs> and... uh so next thing you know we were like and we're at the time we were both not early risers but it was the only time where we had to actually do it so we were getting up at like 8:30 in the morning and drinking copious amounts of coffee and just you know coming together with a, a, an outline of the movie and what it was and um you know from there that sort of took a life and then some more producers got involved and it was really crazy I had a producer call me at my house and like he was on vacation a big producer too not a small producer You know, one that's made over a billion dollars at the box office. And Mm -hmm. another friend of mine was interested in producing the film and brought this heavy hitter on. And he was literally calling me. He's like, I'm going to make you rich. I am going to make you rich if you give me this movie. And, you know, CAA just we we met with uh, we had met Brian Kavanaugh Jones and uh, and Tyler Davis. And, And those guys like they did something unprecedented in Hollywood, which is they promised us they would make the movie. In a certain period of time. And they did. And uh, we knew what the the budget was. So getting back to the script, though, when Carlisle came along, I mean, we had a basis of of an idea of, you know, we had a very in-depth treatment. But, you know, as soon as we started writing, I mean, that it went to we had 17 different drafts. So Carlisle was very much a part of every aspect of this movie being what it is, because. You know, it's a process when you're developing a script and you're writing a script. And, you know, we knew we were going to have like four million bucks to make it. Mm-hmm. So we couldn't have, you know, we wanted to start the movie off like a social network with a big scene in Harvard, you know, with Fincher style with this guy running through campus and go to the blue supercomputer room at MIT where we see a hack taking place. And so, but we knew based on on budget restraints that that was not going to happen so we strategically wrote a script that we knew we can shoot. You know, the second half of the movie is very contained. We needed to be there because we didn't have the money to go anyplace else. Mm-hmm. And then we figured the rest of our money is going to going out. And I'm not giving anything away. But so it was a very strategically written script uh, based on a budget that we knew we were going to have. And we just tried to make a movie that, you know, it's really weird because the reviews that are coming in and I, I kind of thought this would happen was that they're just fifty-fifty? Like 50-50. Like people love this movie or they just fucking hate it. Mm-hmm. And I just think the people that hate it are just stupid. Um, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, um, but Everyone's entitled to their goes, own opinions. Like, there, yeah, there goes my, uh, there goes the, no. But honestly, it's just like people either get it or they don't get it or they want to take this ride and it's, you know, it's a sci-fi kind of a, you know, kind of a sci-fi cool movie. So, um, you know, Again, we just tried to make a cool original film. Will is such an amazing shooter and has such a create, you know, creative mind that, you know, we knew what we had. He was going to make it look beautiful and spooky and cool and and everything. And, you know, we had a lot of good response from the script. People read that script and were like, I just never saw it coming. You know, the third act was crazy. We love it. And uh, we got a lot of great response from it. And it's weird to see, like, you know, the reviews that come in are really strange. And this is a new process for me in terms of reviews because mm-hmm. you just want them all to be great. But uh, and then you just tend to harp on the ones that are bad. And it's like some guy with 26 Twitter followers and you want to, like, <laughs>
0: start a Twitter kind of strangle one.
2: him.
1: I know. You're like, are you crazy? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. When it was all said and done, how many pages had you written for the script?
2: How many? What was the final page count? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I think it was like 110, 108. Okay, wasn't bad. I mean, yeah. I think one draft was one fifteen. Every any script that I get involved with, you know, is going to come in. You know, I'm I'm all about structure. So for me, that movie was about really getting a structure down and making sure all the beats are there. And you know, um, I've been doing it for a long time, so I really need and focus on getting you know structure down, three act structure down in movies, and albeit if it's you know, keeping it as creative possible, but you know, you have to tell a movie in three acts. Otherwise, you just lose an audience. So, uh, you know, 110 is about a really good number. You start getting into the two and a half hour, 120, 130 mark. You know, unless you're Spielberg or Michael Mann and you have epic sort of stuff happening, uh, the page count should be low. And, you know, we had a lot of footage that we shot. And uh, that's Scotch, by the way. <laughs> okay. um, that i just drinking. So that's the 18. Um, oh, nice.
1: Who sponsors?
0: And I, I
2: take that because I got my daughter down before nine o'clock tonight, who's five weeks old. So, uh,
0: congratulations. That's
2: press- hey. Anyway, um, so, you know, we had a lot of fat in that second act because, you know, there was some really cool stuff, and you'll get that in the extras on the DVD. Okay, great. Good to know. There was some really cool stuff, some really funny stuff, but. You know, as you guys saw, the pacing on that movie in Act 2, is it was a tough one, man, because it's, you know, we are stuck in that down there. I'm not going to say where, but we are are down there, and, you know, there's a lot of things happening. There's a lot of questions. We're giving a lot of misdirects, you know, where they are, what they're doing, what's going on, you know. So uh, it just had to – we had to cut some stuff out. I was unhappy about it, but at the end of the day, it's, you know – what the studio wanted and it's probably the best picture the best version of the picture so
1: yeah and you certainly get a sense of um some stuff that was cut out if you watch the trailer there's some scenes where uh, your lead character um he's i guess on top of the pool being tested yeah that is that now. is like
2: seriously some of the most beautiful footage and i hope they put a lot of that in the in the dvd because it is so gorgeously shot and mm-hmm. i mean will was in the swim tank for like Nine hours that day. I think he came out very pruned.
0: <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that because I, I never watched the trailer before I saw The Signal. Like, I consciously avoided it just because I. When I see movies like this, I want it, to. It's like. It's something that I've already been intrigued by. And even though I, you know, I do movie stuff for a living, it's. If I haven't seen the trailer by now, it's like, well, I'm going to keep avoiding it because I want to be more surprised. So then I did see the trailer and I saw that there was more kind of footage in some kind of tank and then i saw some screenshots just for like looking for pictures for my review and i was like huh i don't remember that kind of scene so yeah what
2: What movie was that that (laughs) they they duped us i mean what let me ask you let me ask you guys a question i'm going to turn this around on you turn this podcast around that no deal we're off that's it (laughs) when you saw the trailer and you compare it to the movie did we give you a you know uh, uh like you know some movies just cheat so like Zero Dark Thirty, for instance, which I thought was an excellent film, but all they showed was the Navy SEAL footage at the end when they were raiding the compound, and then that movie was like two hours of like talking and then like ten minutes of a raid scene, so I was like, that's a trick. So do you guys feel like you were duped?
1: Honestly, no, I, I don't, because I think the, the trailer kind of had me thinking that it was uh, a certain other type of film, actually, um, almost to the, to the point of... Uh, what's the one with... Uh agent no the one with the uh, <laughs> just like a uh, Lawrence fishburne in authoritative roles against like, some kind of <laughs> outbreak <laughs> no dane dahan okay. yeah what's the film that he was in where he's oh, just superhero? Chronicle. chronicle yeah it kind of gave me chronicle vibes and then uh, when i went in to, to actually watch the film um i kind of released those and i kind of go and open-minded so i was i i like the story that I was being told and i like the ride that i was that I was uh, given. Yeah, we had
2: a little, we thought about Chronicle. I mean, we thought about Catfish. We thought about a lot yeah, of
0: movies. Get like... a Catfish vibe. Yeah, the catfish you know, really the. That... Me... So, sorry, go ahead. It, the Catfish vibe actually really caught me kind of going, like in the first act of the film. It's funny because you, you asked the question of, you know, what did I expect? And I I, I said okay. that, you know, I didn't watch the trailer before I saw the movie, but with that said, going, going into the movie based on just seeing basically the poster, which I really like, actually, I really like the poster for this film of just kind of the, repetitive image um the layered imagery um going in and watching it i didn't know where it was going and i kept kind of because i have the kind of mind where i want to not necessarily guess what the ending is going to be but guess kind of what's gonna what i think is going to happen from here and it just kept switching and i really i really enjoyed that i really enjoyed how it kind of bent genres around and kind of double up on itself
2: very cool yeah that was a big thing man when we first started flushing this thing out that was a big conversation with catfish and we both saw the film and we were like You know, it started off really cool, and you're like, what is going on? Is this girl going to be hot? What is this? Is this real? Is this real? And then they take the road trip. They get there at night. They're walking out of their car. They're handheld, you know, over the camera shot, walking towards the barn, and you're like, oh, fuck, something gnarly is about to happen.
0: And then that happens,
2: and we were like, oh, what a disappointment. (laughs) Um, And then so we really thought about that moment and saying, we want to get the audience so engaged that when they get to that house we're going to have that catfish moment where they get to that house and they're walking up and they're like don't go in don't go to the barn don't go to the barn and then it's that hitchcock moment where just the tables are turned you know the kitchen the kitchen table is thrown over and it's another movie so um, we really were specific on that moment, which, is, which which turned out amazing, too. And that location was so freaky, too.
0: It was. Yeah, yeah I it, agree. Dude, that, that was, was really that was,
2: scary on film. Dude, that was barely dressed. I mean, the production designer was like, I am not going in there. That is, like, so spooky in there. And it was the dead of night. It was really
1: spooky. Yeah, and, and to Aaron's credit, too, uh, what he said is, uh, I wasn't sure where the film was going to go at that point. So I was like, I don't know what film this is. Actually, sure, it's <laughs> been it, to my in my mind. I'm thinking it's a sci-fi film, but it could it be a horror film too? So, and why, yeah, it was. It was. It had all those components. And then you, you throw like, yeah, you throw the Blair Witch thing in there with the corner with Jonah. And I was like,
2: what is going on? And he's like, what is up with this chair? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> uh, that's one of my favorite moments. So Jonah was awesome. Bo Knapp is that actor? He's phenomenal. They're all like really good, but Bo is... A, a great guy and just he just crushed that role too
0: and especially you know towards the end when there's certain developments that occur you really kind of it really pushes you to a place where like wow he's really it's really going there with this one and it really yeah, a combination totally of the film it's a combination of the filmmaking and the you know the acting on display that really and works that
2: was and that, that was the filmmaking as well and and the acting because you know what those moments had to be earned and you know what if he did that and you didn't like this character to begin with or you didn't believe him to begin with then that scene is just going to be like, ah, this is dumb. But like, like my wife cries every time she sees that scene. It's so good. It's so good. And also those, I mean like Brenton and Bo and Olivia, they all were such troopers on set. They were just like, they were game for anything. And now we can't afford them. But uh, but no, <laughs> they were game for anything, and they were like willing to do anything. They went on road trips with Will, and he was shooting 5D and just guerrilla style, and it was just awesome. It was just so it was such a, a refreshing way to make a film because everybody was just like happy to be there, and even Fishburne was the same way. I mean, that's he was awesome too, you know.
1: Yeah, and uh, no, we talked about it with Carlisle, too, but you know, Brenton, he's. Coming on big things now. He's got The Giver coming out. He was in uh, Maleficent, and um, he's just yeah. yeah he, I mean, you talk he, about not being able to afford him, and yeah, it's you know, yeah. I'm sure he's still your friend, and he'd be it's, willing to do some projects with you. But yeah, he, he's coming up, and that's a good thing. No, it's great.
2: It's great. We have another project that uh, he's already checked out, but we'll see what happens. We'll see what what uh, what his what his schedule is. Um, but. You know, again, he was great. It's all it's well deserved for all of them because they're all extremely talented and extremely just friendly, good people at heart. So it's it's uh,
0: it's fun to see. You know, I'm aware that the, uh, the 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 filming took what like 25 days. I believe that's what Carlisle. It was say.
2: 20. I think we had 29 days in Albuquerque, and then or maybe it was 25, I don't even remember. It was it was a pretty gnarly shoot. Uh, but it was either 25 or 29 days and then they had 3 days in Ohio.
0: Yeah. So if, if um, that, it was, with
2: that was quick. We were we were running and gunning, you know. Yeah,
0: for sure, that's what I understand. And with that said, did you got did like with your actors were there was there a chance for them to rehearse at all or were they all kind of packed No, it, like... they
2: came in a couple of days before and uh it was just off to the races. Brenton actually flew in after filming uh, son of a gun, I think he was shooting in Australia. So he went from Australia to New York to Albuquerque and had to shoot the next day. Wow. Uh, and it was like all those intense scenes with the, uh, with Fishburn. So like, he was awesome. I mean, and he was, he was just, it was crazy. It was like, I don't know how he did it personally. I don't know how he did it.
1: Guy yeah, gave it up to the actor. Yeah. I mean, he yeah, does, all, a, he does the- an incredible job and he certainly is the way that you guys wrote all the characters. I, I wrote this in a, in an email to a friend, because uh, i was telling her hey i think you should go watch this movie is uh, i just really empathized a lot with these characters and i felt their their struggle that when they're in their quarantine zone and it's just like what's going on here i wish that these guys could get out and also some of the flashback sequences with with uh with the main character nick it's just I'm, i felt for that guy you know with the life struggles that he's been handed and yeah it was uh it was yeah a, and that's good and writing that's,
2: yeah oh thanks man that's another thing we you know that we really discussed was like, sort of like this kid, you know, Will and I have a lot of, and Carl as well have a lot of conversations just about like, you know, where technology's going and what, what sort of like where the future's going. And, you know, the more you think about where, like, if you believe in singularity, which I, you know, it's hard not to with you see sort of the exponential rate of technology growing, like, you know, once singularity hits or once, nanotech hits and people start getting really smart, like, like a million times smarter than we are now. And that may not be that far off in the distance. You think to, I think to myself, and Will and I talked about this, is like, you know, where does that put human emotions? Because let's face it, if you're dealing in science alone, emotions are a waste of time because they just block you down because if they're not practical things for a science mind to be a part of. So, I mean, that was one of our big questions. these We got these kids from MIT. You know, this kid's got everything going for him. He's a cross-champion runner. He's got a great girl. He's got a great career. And then he sort of struck down with this muscular dystrophy um, or some sort of, you know, uh, atrophy in his muscles. And now his whole life is different, and he's trying to deal with it. And so our big, our big sort of emotional sort of beat for Nick, and then only to realize later on, like, it's his emotions that get – get him to be to it's is emotions that make him human to be who he right. is and so you know we really wanted to emphasize that in the script and in the movie and i think everybody did a pretty pretty solid job at it so you know and th- those are kind of big thoughts I, to me they are and i this is stuff that i think about i know that will and carlisle think about as well and you know i just think it's i don't know i think it's cool
1: yeah i mean there certainly the emotional aspect of it in terms of uh how human's respond um you guys give that line to fishburn just about um talking about yeah perseverance and you're so angry and that's that makes you persevere and then pulls out a gun but
2: yeah i know with uh with robert longstreet and who was awesome that dude said that guy creeped me out he is so funny he is (laughs) awesome he is so good what a guy i mean again we just can't, can't say enough about how every everybody was so great all the actors yeah, I mean, but yeah, but, he was great. He yeah, took had, that role and made it into his own. I mean, that was just like, we were just blown away.
0: The same goes for Lynn Shea as well, who I've just, I, oh, yeah. I love seeing her in, in different films. You know, it was a great, she brought a great presence to this film as well.
2: Oh my God. Yeah. I think she even freaked out Fishburne. With, I mean, <laughs> the first day it was in that little room where she's uh, talking in the white room and I think she freaked out Fishburne a little bit. Yeah.
1: Cause she's got to go into repeat mode.
2: Yeah, totally. I was like, whoa. So everybody had their A game on for
0: sure. Have you had contact with any strangers lately?
1: Oh, yes. We talked about so many wonderful things.
0: But where did you take them, Mirabel? What was your proximity to them?
2: (laughs) It is so easy to find.
1: Always such a nice bit of color against the dark nights.
0: And that's such a fun step, and I'm not going to – well, we'll get to kind of spoilery talk soon enough, but for the time being, I'll tread lightly. It's such a neat kind of way to throw someone through a loop where you have a character – you have characters kind of getting away from a certain environment and into a new one, and yet there's still, like, even more just crazy loops being thrown at you. And you're like, what's happening? Yet it's still exciting and intriguing.
2: <laughs> and, and, and it was really crucial for us to be back in the desert in a familiar environment that we saw in Act 1 – so you think like, wait, am I still, uh, you know, I'm not going to give it away, but it was really important for ha- us to have, you know, some of the same locations we saw earlier in the film in the back of the film so that, you know, we didn't want to, a lot of misdirects. We didn't want to give everything, anything away. Yeah. So that was a big,
0: that was a big thing. Um, I bet since you guys were also kind of uh, closely knit on this production, you were on set, were you on set every day?
2: I was on set um I mean I think I was there for probably twenty of the twenty
0: five or eight days. Yeah, it's a good it's a good percentage, I'd say.
2: A, <laughs> yeah. Ninety five percent of the time. Yeah. And you know what? It's funny because, you know, being a writer on a Hollywood, on a on a movie set, doesn't matter if it's a Hollywood set, uh but being a writer on a movie set, especially if it's a union one, there's really not much for you to do. So except to hang out by crafty and watch, watch, this watch it happen. And, you know, I spent a lot of time in the makeup trailer cause we were in the desert and it was 147 degrees. So, uh, yeah, but it was fun. It was just, you know, again, it was, we were all sort of just so stoked to be doing it. And it was, a, again, it was a, such a refreshing and invigorating experience making this thing because everybody was just so pumped to be there doing it. And it, it was crazy outside. I mean, it was so hot, and I was like, I gotta go.
0: I heard it was hot <laughs> and I heard there were dust storms like all the time too. Yeah.
2: yeah, I mean I missed the big dust storm, but it was it was like this I literally like the Great dust bowl from like nineteen twenty seven. It was crazy. <laughs> crazy. And I saw a video of it. I think they hopefully they put that on the extras as well, but it was insane.
0: The um to backtrack a little bit, um I'm curious, what uh what brought you to to filmmaking? Have you been have you been wanting to kind of to produce screenplays with uh, with will in particular or in general or uh
2: you know i I've always been involved with writing ever since I was probably fifteen or sixteen years old, just bored and wanting a creative outlet and so uh I actually was born in New York and I lived in New York City for ten years. Uh, I wrote a play when I was twenty one that I produced I raised like thirty thousand dollars and I produced it off Broadway um and it ran for three weeks, and I was like, this is easy. Um, Yeah, not so much. And then uh, (laughs) I was involved with some independent films in New York trying to raise money, writing scripts, and never happened. I moved to LA when I was 27. Uh, I was here for three years and sold my first. You there? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, my computer just crashed on me. Uh, Uh, I sold my first uh, movie to Montecito Pictures, which is Ivan Reitman and Tom Pollock and DreamWorks when I was 30. Right yeah uh, yeah old school stuff um and that was actually an, an, an urban comedy it's a really fun movie mm-hmm. um and I'm saying um and I hate that
1: <laughs> I'll, I'll take that out in post
2: yeah <laughs> take that out but so there I sold that and you know those guys looked me in the eye and were like your life is about to change and six months later I was broke um I was <laughs> It was horrible. They didn't tell you if it was, was going to
1: change for the better or
0: the worse, right? Yeah,
2: that, they really. You know, in retrospect, <laughs> they did not. They were like, you're, blessed. you're about to get really popular, and then it's going to go away really quick. Right. Um, and so, yeah, that sucked, actually. Because um, then they rewrote me and got some other guys to rewrite me, and I don't know what happened. They The script just got tanked, and it's now in turnaround hell. And mm. it's like a year. It's like an early 2000s type of movie anyway. So, But uh, I was actually supposed to pick up my first check. I was living out in, so for all you struggling writers out there, my advice to you is get out of this business because you're not going to make any money. Uh, (laughs) uh, I literally was living on my brother's futon in Irvine, California. He had a spare room with a futon and I was just broke. I was bartending in New York for eight years and I just said, I'm never going to serve anybody ever again in my life. So I moved out here. And I didn't. So I, I, except for one Bat Mitzvah where I was a bartender, and a buddy of mine was a uh, is a big producer now, and uh, he was serving the snow cone machine. And these two little girls, who were drunk and smoking pot, who were 14 years old, were online. I'm segueing here, but this is a funny story. They're okay. online or in line for the uh, for the snow cone machine machine that a friend of mine was at, and they said, "Yeah, like this is what I want to be doing when I'm 30." working at a bot mitzvah at a snow cone machine. And uh, I looked at him, and we became really good friends after that because it was just so horrifying. But long story short, so I was living on, on my brother's couch uh, on a futon, and I wrote this script, and I was writing it every night. Like, I did not do anything. I think the neighbors thought I was, like, on witness protection because I looked like Ray Liotta. I'd walk out every morning at, like, <laughs> 12 o'clock in my boxer shorts and slippers and just get the mail. And it was like a really suburban cookie cutter neighborhood. It was hor- horrible, But, uh, and then I, I got a call from my grandfather at the time. He's recently, pa- he passed away a couple of years ago, but he, he called my dad and said, what is David doing with his life? He's very Italian and he mm-hmm. couldn't believe it. And, and uh, that day I get a call from a producer buddy of mine and said, they want to buy your script. And so that was a really cool feeling. Um, six months later, I'm trying to get my check. And it's I'm, the day I'm going to pick up my check. It's September 11th, 2001. Ooh. <laughs> and so I'm, I call, there's this, all this chaos going on in New York City. And I call the production company. I'm like, can I get my check? <laughs> I was dying to get out of Irvine, but Neil said I didn't get the check. But I uh, finally got the check. Six months later, I was broke again. And
1: uh, <laughs> yeah, so it, it sounds, sounds like an movie. episode of Party Down.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and totally. That was Party <laughs> Down. The Mr. Scene was totally Down.
0: <laughs> I'm glad that we all know Party Down. That doesn't make me happy right there.
1: People need to see Party Down.
2: <laughs> uh, Ken Moreno and uh, Adam Scott, man, oh. Scott, yeah, love that show. But yeah, so uh, it's been a, it's been a, it's been a run. I've, uh, I saw the movie to Dimension a couple two years later, um, and just you know been grinding and grinding and grinding and still grinding. You know and that's the thing with being a writer in this town is that I keep working. There's, you can't stop writing. If you do, you're dead.
1: Do you have a? Do you often have a writing partner, or do you often write with Will, or just anybody that you collaborate with on a frequent?
2: Uh, I mean, it depends. I'm, I'm working on. I, there's a lot of stuff going on now. I mean, I've, I've gotten lucky in the past. In the past couple of months, you know, just I think I swear to God, my wife got pregnant, and a friend of mine said to me, "Babies bring luck," and this baby's bringing a lot of luck. As soon as four days after we found out she, we were pregnant. We got into Sundance and it's been sort of a cool ride ever since. But uh, I write with Will. He's, I mean, there's no better guy and Carlisle as well to, to work with because they're like so creative. And again, I'm, I'm all about big on structure. So, you know, we, and we have a lot of the same similar, you know, ideas and sort of ideologies. So it's, and he's a great guy. So it mm-hmm. makes it easy to write with. I'm not one to hold words on, on a page i don't care you know it's all about intention it's all about structure it's all about what the the purpose of the scene is as opposed to what the dialogue is that's really pointless at, at some point so yeah i mean i love to write with him i'm working on a tv show now with another buddy of mine um that we're partnered up with uh this guy michael seitzman who's a big tv guy yeah um, and so we're getting ready to pitch that out a sci-fi show um, I sold the pitch to Paramount and animation. That's my me only. Um, nice. so yeah, I mean, it just depends. You get to a point where it gets boring writing by yourself. So I like having partners because it's like you want to, you know, run, you know, just run shit by people and, you know.
0: Yeah, especially get, especially. Sometimes it
2: just gets lonely, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially that's what the McAllen's for. Yeah, yeah. And then you're like this Charles Bukowski writing nonsense all day. <laughs>
0: it's, it's a, especially when it comes to like writing feature films that are, you know, gonna be seen by a wide audience. It's one I mean, it's certainly no disrespect to anyone that writes solo projects, but you have a lot of people that are gonna see a movie. It's nice to have, you know, people you can collaborate with, that you can share ideas, bounce things off each other and you know, have a a, a better consensus of what works because more than just one person was able to look at it.
2: Without question, without question, and then uh, yeah, without question. I mean, that's really that's really it. You just want to sort of like, here's an idea. Let's talk about it. Let's brainstorm it. And I mean, I've been doing a lot with this TV show because you know we're trying to develop a, a show that's going to last for five years, and you know that's really tough. I mean, I've been I've been strictly a feature guy, so I'm dealing with 100 110 pages of telling a story. But when you're talking about five years of television on a serialized show, it's, it's pretty encompassing. So it's pretty, pretty wild for me personally. Now I just like having, you know, I just like, like you said, it's like bouncing stuff off people and just really sort of having a good collaboration. And it's just, it's fun. It can be fun doing what we do, you know, especially now it's like when we know we have a really good shot of getting it made, it just makes it fun. So
1: You, You briefly spoke about Sundance. Can you, can you go more into that? And cause Carlisle said that that was a, that was a huge highlight. Um, And basically it was something that you guys wanted.
2: Well, I don't know if I wanted it per se. Um, (laughs) I mean, look, Sundance (laughs) is phenomenal. I met my wife in Sundance seven years ago. Hmm. Um, I have a history there. I've never had a film there, but, you know, I've never even saw a film going to Sundance. Seven years – and I may sound like a total dick, but I I don't care. Uh, Seven years of going to that festival – never once saw a movie so the first movie i ever saw in sundance was my own which was pretty cool mm-hmm. um but i met my wife there so we have an anniversary there and so it was really like bitter not bittersweet it was just really like poetic that we got the movie there to yeah. be honest though like i never thought like sundance was our our sort of our demographic i always thought like man this would really go well at comic-con like if we premiered this like yeah yes yeah right? <laughs> That would have been ridiculous, um, but look, we we we, we got we uh, we submitted, we got in. It was amazing. We had like the craziest reception, um, and it was what the first year. Was so crazy, like I used to have Sundance so wired shut. Like I would be able to go out, all the gifting suites, go to all the parties, because that's what you do when you go there. So this year, I think my wife was pregnant. I didn't go to one, I went to maybe one party, just went to the premieres, was staying low the entire time. We were just so low key. So it was just a, it was just a, it was great. It was great. It was great. great. We love Sundance, but I honestly like from, I honestly thought like that wasn't really, the greatest thing for us, although it's you know you get into a film that Sundance is twelve thousand submissions, there's one hundred and ten films going in, so yeah. that yeah. that honor is incredible. You know it's such a prestigious film festival and one of the best in the world. But you know let's let's face it, like sci-fi and Comic Con is that's you know that's hand in hand. So. That was my thought, but, you know, I'm not paid in the marketing department, so right. I don't
0: know shit. I mean, The the <laughs> the, the Raid 2 was at Sundance, and I don't know if everyone wants to go see The Raid 2 at... Uh...
2: Did that open yet? How did that do? Oh,
1: oh
0: we we liked it. We oh, liked it a lot. Oh, people...
2: oh, I, I hear it's yeah. amazing, but I, I, I did it open in the theaters yet?
0: Oh, yeah, it did. Yeah, it opened about
1: a
2: month
0: ago. It opened... Yeah, it opened... No, it opened back in March. It's been... It's been oh, out. March. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: How did it do? Did it perform?
0: Uh... It did, I mean it did what a foreign film would do if a two and a half hour action foreign film would do it's it made <sighs> it made what it did it'll it'll gotcha. it'll thrive on a, on on DVD and Blu-ray just like many people would probably fans. but uh I yeah it, right? yeah it
2: was a huge that that went over really big in Sundance too yeah. pretty
0: I didn't see it yet though but if you like the raid. No, you, the
2: raid was awesome. You'll, was so...
0: <laughs> you'll, you'll appreciate the action intensity of the raid too. That's for sure.
2: I love it. That's our next film. Will and I have another film. It's a war film. That's really cool, but it is action heavy. Um, it's pretty cool.
0: Uh, one last question before we get to more kind of spoilery uh, territory here. Um, I'm just curious: was for the as about the writing process? Was the um, was developing the story always? Was it more about kind of feeling the the sci-fi element over time, or did you come? Did you want to come from like tracking the characters more?
2: It's all about character first. All about these kids on a journey, and then we wanted to have a big reveal at the end. And you know, it's hard to have this. It's hard to answer this question without giving a spoiler away. But you know, halfway through the movie, there's a reveal with Nick uh, that you guys know about. and you're like, "Oh boy, that changes things." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so that was sort of early on as well. But again, we knew like we had a limited amount of money to make the film, so that meant that there are only so many visual effect shots we can put in. so we were trying to think of like what we can do practically to to make it work. but it was always about following this kid, going through this journey and you know making it a mind fuck and see where we're at. All right. but it's always always character and story first.
0: Cool. All right, so let's uh, let's move into kind of more spoilery territory here, and this is some kind of insertion of sound will indicate that uh, <laughs> we're going to be in spoilers zone. <laughs> All right, so uh, now we're kind of in more spoiler zone here. So anyone that hasn't seen the Signal yet, go out and see that movie. Pause this. See podcast. it now. Yeah. See it now. Pause this podcast. Be like, I'm pressing pause, and you're gonna walk out and be like, Where's this movie playing? And you yell at some random person. <laughs> they're like, I'll tell you. Just stop yelling. And then you come back, and you're like, Now I'm gonna listen to the rest of this podcast because I saw the Signal. It's and gonna I, make
2: so much more sense. Yeah, I thought the I Signal said was all awesome. I a so. pirated version online right now. Anyway.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Those bastards. <laughs> But they saw it. I don't know. <laughs> no, you should go. You should go if check it out. The tree
2: falls in the forest. You should go just check. Send make it a check. check.
0: Yeah, there you go. Yeah, send, send a check. Two cents.
2: I think that's what I get.
0: 1850 <laughs> to uh, to focus features, and they'll divide it up accordingly. <laughs> exactly. uh, you
2: get one half
1: of a penny.
0: Yeah. But uh, yeah. So the, well, now let's let's go into more uh, spoilery territory. Do you have a question you want to ask right off of the bat?
1: I did. Yeah. So you guys. Uh, when I first saw the trailer, I got large hints of Akira in it. Was that something that you guys uh, went through and uh, thought about? Because that would have played well in the Comic-Con scene, too, primarily because of the uh, the the disheveled robes that Nick is wearing at the end there with some bloodied-up faces, and looks like he's powering up to go and destroy some parts of the city.
0: You
2: know, I can honestly say that, A, I have never seen Akira,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and B... Maybe in Will's subconscious, but him and I and Carlisle never mentioned Akira in any conversation we ever had when we were writing this film.
1: Which is good. Yeah, I mean –
2: Which Yeah, you know, it's so funny because I kept seeing all these Twitter peeps talking about Akira, and I'm like, I don't even know – my next-door neighbor was going to do the visual effects on Akira, and she gave me the script to read, and I never – Keanu Reeves, I think, was going to do it at the time, and I never read the script. Sorry, Monette. That's my neighbor. I never read the script. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I had no idea. So I was like, all right, well, maybe we sort of, you know, the collective consciousness of it all of Akira. But no, mm-hmm. no,
0: nothing about Akira for me. That's fair enough. I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, it it is you know an '80s anime. Not everyone's necessarily <laughs> Not everyone's seen Akira. Yeah, <laughs> uh, true. Were there any other kind of? I I know Carlisle. He's explained the kind of um, a lot of a lot of futurist. Um, kind of influence on the on the on the story development. Was there any kind of elements you or um, influences that you guys had in particular that might have inspired certain aspects of the film?
2: Yeah, I mean, again, I, I think we touched on this a little bit earlier, but like I've I've read a lot of like Michio Kaku and Neil deGrasse Tyson and the Ray Kurzweils of the world, and it's that's, that's just to me that's like a fascinating world where like all that stuff is happening. You know, it's not even like science fiction anymore for what they're talking about you know, the time frame of singularity talking about, you know, everything, quantum computers and nanotech, all that stuff is happening. So that to me is like setting a story five minutes into the future is a really cool thing that I like to do. Um, and so, but you know, it, that's always been a topic of, of our, of our conversation is like what would happen if, you know, and I, I I don't know how much I can actually say not to spoil the film, but oh, you we're know, in spoil
0: area now. You can talk about it. Go
2: oh, true. Sure. Okay. So what would happen if uh, an alien did come down? And what? And I was so to- so tired of seeing these alien movies that come down and they like shoot guns at us. I'm like, come on. It, no no. And if you know anything about like Type A or you know one two three civilizations that uh, it's the Kardashev scale that Michio Kaku talks a lot about. You know he talks about Type Zero, Type One, Type Two. Type three. Now, if you're Lawrence Fishburne, you're probably a type two or type three civilization. If you're nomad and you're coming across the cosmos to go f- come find this little blue planet, like we're gonna, they're gonna look at us like we look at ants. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's no way that a human being is gonna be able to outsmart them. There's no way that that's such a contained and controlled environment that to me, and again, we're in the spoilers now, to me, this movie is about an alien race that used to be human, you know, this planet's what, 13 billion years old. So let's say uh, 2 billion years ago, you know, there was life on the planet, Atlantis, Lemuria, whatever you want to believe in or say or talk about. And that we, you know, we had this, we left out. We, we became spacefaring people and we left. So what would happen if they came back and to look at their old, you know, sort of the Prometheus style, like they came yeah. back to see what happened to this planet. And, they found these humans that they used to be a billion years ago and it's like what is human emotion what are these things and we don't understand it so that's why i thought especially like fishburn's performance was so nuanced and we talked and he knew exactly what he was doing in terms of that because you know one of his things was like i don't know how to properly use an emotion so when i'm talking to nick and i say something that's weird and it's you know I'm, i should smile or i should be sympathetic or i should be empathetic or i should be angry he doesn't he doesn't know the context on how to use that emotion so that was something that we really were cognizant about when we were writing it is like this guy doesn't know how to properly use emotion because yeah, he's not a human
1: you do notice that a lot in the film and once the reveal is there of hey like these guys are the aliens and they're doing the interrogation uh for these humans Um, you notice that with Lauren systems, like, because I was thinking, why is he saying things in such a a, a way that it's almost as if he's trying to um, instigate something out of Nick, or he's trying to just really, really be a dick. And when you think about it in that context of your explanation, it's just he doesn't know how to express it. And he yeah, just he's he's relearning really those things from this human emotion. It's the kind of thing yeah, that how makes would me a, excited. How would, a
2: mechanical, how would a, a mechanical being know how to express anger or sadness or emote you know, emote empathy, or how would they know how to do that? They how what context would they have to do it? And so that was like a real and and again, that was what was so cool and great about Fishburne and his performance was that you know, he really thought about that stuff and really sort of implemented it in his performance, and it was just a, it was so cool to watch, and so cool to watch now. Just like
0: you see these little moments. so It's the kind of thing and to get if to guys make...
2: watch it again. You'll see, like you know, there was one scene where it was cut out of the movie, unfortunately. But right after he, uh right after he, uh, uh the the with Lin Shay, where after he left the room with her, he pulled out the gun, and mm-hmm. you know, it was implied that she was shot. He. You know, it's like a big, wide master shot where he walked out off the truck and then just did this like crazy bunny hop off the uh, the last stair. <laughs> it's hysterical, and you're like, "What the fuck?" And he's like, "I don't know what I just did." I, you know, my character doesn't know that killing people is bad, so I'm I'm just. It was the wrong choice, but it was a choice, you know.
0: The, the kind of things you're describing is the kind of thing that makes me excited to see the movie again just to see the kind of nuances that exactly. Fishman brings knowing where the story's going at that point. Well,
2: oh, for sure and you'll pick up on a lot of things. And you know, and you also pick up on a lot of sort of those, you know, Hitchcock foreshadowing moments like For sure. We, you know, we cut to the fish tank a few times and obviously that's, you know, fish in a bowl and that's where Nick and Jonah and Haley are, they're in a bubble, you know, they're in a bowl. Mm-hmm. Um there was one scene where we had that was cut out as well, but we had a a gerbil in a habitat at the gas station scene okay. and there's a giant gerbil habitat and he was sort of running through. And you know, those are like really cool moments, just a foreshadow. You don't know what it is. You're just like, all right, this is weird, but you know, why is fish Turk saving the fish? But it's kind of like, you know, it was this cool foreshadow that we were throwing in there, peppering it in just sort of little MacGuffins here and there that were, you know,
1: and yeah. when you guys are writing this I and mean- you, did you guys sort of give some weight to some of the other people in that facility, in the quarantine facility? Because there's a moment where they have to go into emergency lockdown because one of the folks has escaped. Presumably, it could have been Jonah. Uh, I'm not sure. But did you guys? Yeah, that think, was like, Jonah. That, was, oh, that okay. was Jonah, yeah. Yeah, because I was like, this guy looks like he's got like crazy arm rage. Like he's making these dents <laughs> in the wall. So I don't know if you guys Oh, has, yeah. Like, yeah, I, I wasn't sure if you guys had been like, well, there's actually like. 50 people that they're watching, and they've, they've given these biomechanical um, armors to the other people as well.
2: Wait, is there a question there? Oh, no. No, no
1: there wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> she, she... Sure, she does sure. that. Sure. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah.
0: laughs> um, uh, here's a question. Um, did the name did the name Damon slash Nomad, did that come from anywhere in particular, or was just kind of a fun, reversible idea for a name?
2: Uh, it was a fun, reversible name for, you know, just, it was a good reveal at the end. Yeah. Um, you know, with the name tag so that Nick can figure it out. And we had it clear as day there for the audience to try to figure it out. Yeah, and, I know, didn't put it together. The beginning the of the movie, it was Nomad, you know, on the computer screen. So, mm. um, so again, that was a little, that was a little sort of, there it is. It's right there for you. Um, But yeah, that was definitely, we did that on purpose for sure.
0: And speaking of names, was this, was this film always called The Signal? Was there any other, ever any other title or?
2: No, it it was always the signal. And uh, I was just actually talking to Will about that today. He's like, what if we named the movie Nomad? Um, Yeah. And I was like, I don't know, man. What if we did? Um, But yeah, it was always the signal because it was like these guys were, you know, these kids were always chasing. And it wasn't really a signal per se, but it was like, you know, they were just chasing a beacon of some sort that was, you know, leading them on a different destiny. I don't know.
0: And, um, we asked Carlisle about this, but we're uh, while I know you you'd probably want to hold back on certain infor- information, would you say that there's were that were you know, something amazing to happen, you'd be like, Hey, we can continue on with this story or use it in a new way. Would you say there's a lot of ideas that you could have maybe put to put to use in future maybe installments or other kind of features that Oh sure, you
2: know, sure, sure. I mean that's all up in the air now. I mean, I don't know what this movie has to do so we can, you know, gather up some funds for a sequel, but there's certainly one in mind. Um we'll just have to wait and see, I guess. So I mean there's a lot of unanswered questions, obviously, about Haley and about right. Bo and what happens to those guys and where's Nick gonna go from there. So yeah, there's a lot of uh a lot of room for another one there.
1: Well if it started Kickstarter for you guys and
2: Yeah, wouldn't that be cool? <laughs>
1: Veronica Mars style, I guess.
2: Yeah, no kidding. Zach Brass, Wish You Were Here. Yeah. 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 They made like three million bucks, right? Although nobody wants to make a movie like this for three million bucks now. It's too hard.
1: Yeah. You know, uh, Carl, I was also saying that he was going to Sam's club, buying some parts so you guys could create those um, awesome sequences at the end there. And yeah, they look great on the screen. So kudos. Oh yeah. I mean, I was
2: at Home Depot the day we were shooting all those like soldiers in the blue. Mm -hmm. I was, depot buying all the red tape um <laughs> you know Carlisle was literally they were digging holes building the trampolines for the big effect shot for when Jonas smashed you know the the uh ground the pound. yeah the ground and pound so i mean Carlisle, and I, Carlisle and built the uh we built this giant dock and filled it up with water on the stage. You know, it took us like six days to build until the union guys told us we can't do it. But you know, we were all just, everybody was working really hard.
0: I'm, uh... And it was great
2: because as writers, nobody could tell me what the hell to do. So I was like, <laughs> I'm just going to go build. <laughs> My job is done here. I wrote, yeah, I wrote the damn thing. So <laughs> you can't tell me what, to- that's the one thing good about being on a set with a writer. Nobody really, as a writer, nobody can really, tell you what to do or boss you around. The producers look at you like cross-eyed, like
0: we don't know what to do with this guy. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm curious because you have the characters that are, you know, they're computer programmers or whatnot there. And even we get to a point later in the film where, where Nick has to kind of, he's trying to escape his facility and he has this kind of complex formulas written out of, I guess getting through like permutations of the door code. Um, Was there, did you guys do like kind of research to kind of get that, that tech speak out there or those kind of algorithms out there? Was there any kind of work done in that fashion to make that kind of make sense?
2: Uh, I, I mean, Carlisle, I think wrote that scene. So that was like three by three phone style, which is just, right. you know, bar, you know, the numbers on a, on a, you know, three by three, which is up to nine, nine digits. And, uh, but Carlisle wrote that. I would, I first, when I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, man, he's too smart. I don't even know what this means. Um, but it's awesome. Um uh, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's sort of um you know, I'm talking out of my ass right now i that's just sort of how how would you figure out how to break a four digit code with you know three by three, so you have to go one 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 two one three one four one five one six one seven one eight, one nine, and then you you know you'd have to just keep going one 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 two two one 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 one, two, so like trying to break that code, so you'd split up the time doing it one so that all that stuff on the uh the bed sheet was all like. Him, you know, you know, you saw at one point where he pulled a piece of paper off when he saw Haley, and he yeah. had a piece of paper, yeah. and he was counting, he was measuring the, uh,
1: revolutions on uh, on his wheelchair. Yeah, because
2: yeah, he yeah. figured out that obviously it's you know a three foot in circumference wheel, and the wheel clicks six times, it's you know twenty feet or whatever it is. Yeah. So uh, that was sort of to show his spatial awareness and his intelligence. Yeah, and
1: um, you definitely get that from the moment that they're working the bathtub, they're working on the formulas. Um, but then also when he's talking to Lawrence Fishburne says, yeah, and says, you know, the clock in the hallway is like at 1230. He's like, well, which hallway? It's like the one where it's 12 steps back, 7 steps was to the left. the first one. Yeah. And so he's a, he's a very bright guy.
2: Yeah, exactly. I'm glad, I'm glad you guys saw that. And um, I love, yeah, I'm... that was really important to really get those little, you know, that he was there, he knew something was wrong, and so he's taking proactive steps to figure out, how to fix the problem. And that's what Nick is. That's what Jonah is. These guys, they solve problems. That's what these guys at MIT do. You know, they're just hyper-intelligent and they, you know, they solve problems.
0: And as uh, neatly structured as it is in the, you know, in the writing process, I do give a lot of credit to to William and how he was able to kind of visually communicate what was going on. Like, I love seeing process in film, especially when it's kind of edited efficiently as it is, where you see him, you know, running over his crackers and getting the dust and you know forming ways to like just seeing those kind of little steps he's taken to you know essentially make his escape at, at some point through you know Yeah
2: and and I, you know Will is amazing with that stuff I literally like it's funny cuz I was we working on something and today he showed me a notebook of like he's just an artist so like mm-hmm. he'll fill up he's got notebooks filled up with the signal that'll probably sell for millions of dollars one day just because they're so intricate and all the stuff he sort of visualizes on how he's going to tell the story. It's all on these notebooks and it's like so much scratch and it's so cool, you know? And so that's all, that's all him just sort of like, how am I going to make this, you know, how am I going to make this visual and how, how is this going to be able to tell the story and move the story? And he did just a phenomenal, it's so crazy to watch that. Like, I think, like, man, I want to direct a movie. And then I see, like, that, and I'm like, there's no way I can do that. <laughs> there's no way I would think of that shit. I'm not going to direct a romantic comedy. I'm like, whatever characters say, just film them, I'm good to go. kind
1: of McConaughey?
2: Yeah, exactly. All right, all right. <laughs> but, yeah, so all will, all will. I mean, visually just ridiculous.
1: Yeah, and, again, the visuals, especially love the, the high-speed film at the end there. and
2: Phantom, yeah. It's yeah, funny. you guys yeah, used Phantom? Phantom yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, but We had a,
2: we had a phantom on that show. The We had a phantom the entire time. Mm-hmm. But what we didn't take into consideration was like the 1500 bucks a day you have to spend on the phantom operator. Just mm-hmm. a tech oh. to be there. So we were like, we can't afford that. So the camera was just sitting there. So for anybody out there that wants a job and making $1,500 a day, go yeah. take a phantom <laughs> course. I'm, I'm
1: going to go do that. I'm serious. It's yeah. like crazy. Yeah, but no, I mean the high speed film looked great at the end there. Like, it starts off with the uh, the grenade blast into the into the bunker where Jonah is, and it's just yeah, like, awesome. Totally yeah, awesome. and I if love how watch, he was using got, the computer, and it's like there's nothing happening because they're not connected to anything.
2: I know, I know, I know. It's like, and his fingers are all giant. It's too giant. Yeah, it's like Homer. <laughs> totally, and then I mean I was gonna say if you guys watch Love, you'll see like his work with with the phantom and it's
1: just amazing yeah so i'm excited
0: like, to check that one yeah, out. i have
1: to check that one out for sure yeah really cool really
0: cool well uh abe you have any other questions you want to get there?
1: no i mean uh, i think that aaron and i just want to know what's happening next with you um you know in terms of uh i guess where you go from here uh, i know that you have some some tv stuff coming on the way but
2: um... TV stuff we're pitching I'm pitching tv stuff uh will uh myself and carlisle have a we're working on right now that takes place in a south american gold mine that goes down two and a half miles into the ground which is super scary um yeah that's a really cool project what's that
0: i said yeah it is scary yeah Yeah.
2: it's gonna be a really cool another sort of genre bending film you know not as complex as a signal but you know just sort of going from one arena to another it's a really cool project um will and i also have uh uh, it's a military thriller about a jtac uh, joint an air force joint joint terminal attack controller who is uh sort of you know sort of becoming a man it's sort of a uh, loss of innocence tale it's a really hmm. fast paced action thriller that's really cool um and then i told you i, I sold a, a a film to paramount an animation film to paramount that i'm working on as well so uh lots of stuff in the in the pipe cool, I cool. actually yeah, I, oh man, a lot of meetings and
1: just I had to. At least now you don't have to sleep on your brother's couch.
2: Yeah, not or right a futon. now.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> futon, futon.
2: Yeah. Um, not right now. So yeah, we're we're
0: doing okay. Yeah, that all sounds really cool. I I look forward to seeing you know what you guys come up with next because I really like the signal. I really like seeing you know new and original voices in film, and um, I I I look forward to the future for you guys because I really I really want more people to check out the signal and it's. Been awesome to have you on to talk with us today. Yeah. Well, guys,
2: it was great. Th- great to be on. So.
0: Where can, uh, where now, can more, now I'm gonna
2: go to bed. <laughs> where, where, where can
0: more people find your uh, find your work real quick? Uh, is there any you have any websites you have or?
2: Uh, you know, I have a like I shot a film. I actually shot a little short film called Bashert that I directed. That Will shot. That's a beautiful little film. Um, but you That's know, sweet. mostly it's writing. So, or I did produce a film that I wrote in 2006, but I'm not going to talk about that one. You okay. guys can find it if you really want. But it's a cool film with Aaron Paul and Scoot McNary. Oh, and cool. Scoot McNary. Scoot's the best. Both uh, on AMC. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and you know what's so crazy is that when the signal opened on the 13th, Hellion opened up right, that Aaron starred in, and the rover opened up that Scoot's the star in. So yeah, it was cool. crazy. Um. But, yeah, both great, great guys. And that was a film we shot a long time ago. It's actually a fun horror film that should be a drinking game.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: nope. One last question I had there. Um, you had mentioned that the Rover. So I was surprised that the Rover wasn't playing near me at all, but the, the Signal was. Were you also surprised that by the distribution into larger theaters for the Signal?
2: Well, I was, you know, I was really happy about it. Um, we originally were going to be in just L.A. and New York for the first week and then expand into bigger ones in the second week. But, you know, I, I think they... Uh, we'll see what happens this weekend. You know, we went up against... 22 Jump Street and
0: uh, How, to How to train
1: your dragon too.
2: How to train your dragon. It's funny. I saw Jonah Hill in the gym that I work out at. It's <laughs> beating the whole, beating the whole gym, but it's a great little gym. And uh, I said, "Hey, I don't know, Jonah Hill." I just said, "Hey, Jonah, uh, you know, we we go head to head, man. My movie against yours on the 13th." And he's like, "What what?" And I said, "Yeah, yeah, man, but you got 4,000 screens and we have 3, so I think it'll be okay." <laughs> And he laughs. He's like, what's your film, man? I go, it's called The Signal Lawrence Fishburne. It's a really cool sci-fi. He's like, I'm going to check it out, man. I'm going to check it out. And I'm like, well, I'm going to hold you to that because I can see you here. (laughs) (laughs) Now, of course, I had a baby. I haven't been to the gym in weeks now. So, uh, Oh, well, we'll see what happens. But, yeah, we were stoked, man. I mean, we want this film out there. We want people to check it out. Um, We just want people to know about it. So, like, I want to thank you guys for trying to spread the love on it. because. It's one of those films where we think you know, it's a special little film, so we'll see what happens.
1: We'll do our best. We
2: don't want it to be Blade Runner because Blade Runner was a failure, and then it became a cult classic and then an iconic film. Um, so we want it to be uh, an iconic film and make money. Very cool. I got to pay for preschool for my daughter. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> really expensive out here. Yeah. Well, <laughs> David, it was a pleasure speaking with you, and um, we'll spread it to all of our listeners. And... Uh, hopefully everyone goes and checks it out.
2: Awesome guys, I really appreciate. It. I hope I didn't bore you. And uh, not at all, very no. entertaining. We'll we'll get on the next we'll get on the next podcast for the next film. For sure, sounds great. Yeah,
1: we'll hold you all right. right, guys. <laughs> Have a great night. Just like you're holding Jonah Hill to it, we're holding yeah, you. Yeah, I'm gonna track him down,
2: man. I'm, I'm probably gonna tweet him tonight. Now, like, did you see my movie, man? <laughs> <laughs> Twitter <right>. war, bitches. <laughs> all, right,
0: all right, David. they're this talking to you. This.
2: Take it easy, man.